Welcome to Frickity Frack. We do talk back. Thank you for joining us in our eighth episode. Hello, my name is Patrick, and I'm Frack. Hello, my name is Jeff, and I'm Frick. Frickity Frack, we do talk back. We'll be a show airing once a week where we will discuss different aspects of fandom and how they relate to the gospel. Now, for the first part of the show, we will be going through the first season of My Hero Academia and how we see lessons from each of the episodes and how they connect to teachings in the Bible. And just as many of you are, we are also fans of a great many of things as well. So when we get through the first season of My Hero Academia, uh, we'll be changing things up and going a different direction. Whether it might and it might be like comics, video games, mini- movies, or anything you know, just in, uh, out out there uh, that we're fans of. Uh, we did get the name of the show from our father, who dubbed us "Frickin' Frack" since we were kids. So this is the eighth episode of the first season of My Hero Academia, and the episode title is "Bakugo's Start Line." And so this episode begins with Midoriya and Uraraka's team being declared the winner, uh, but everyone noticed that it came at a very heavy cost. Um, and uh, because both of them are out of commission, uh, while the villain team is actually physically fine, uh, Midoriya busted up his arms, uh, his, you know, his... Uh, one from using a smash and then his other arm for taking uh, Bakugo's uh, explosion. And then Uraraka is just a little out of it because she used her cork on herself. Uh, Ida is declared the MVP of their session uh, because he did the best playing his role, had a sound strategy and um, the like. Uh and then it goes on to the other battles, and the only one we spend a significant amount of time with in the battle is the one starring Todoroki, where he clears his uh, two-on-two battle all by himself, uh, and Bakugo is blown away by his power. Uh, so the rest of the class do their battles, uh, and they do it without us finding out uh, their results. Uh and so as they wrap up, All Might leaves in a hurry, uh, and we discover that his muscle form lasts barely long enough to even teach a class. He goes to check on Midoriya, and where he gets chastised by Recovery Girl um, for how he is handling Midoriya's training. And so we get a glimpse into One for All's purpose uh, and how it is meant to protect all of humanity. Midori recovers, having missed all of his afternoon classes, and gets graded by his fellow students. Uh, He notices Bakugo is not there, and so he races to see him. And he tells Bakugo that he received his quirk from someone else, and Bakugo doesn't believe him. And he also comes to the realization that he is not the most powerful in their class. And so he... uh, uh, vows to become stronger and to be even better than All Might and everyone else. Uh, we also, at the at a post-credit scene, uh, we get a glimpse into who the antagonist uh, of the series is going to be, and that they have a plan. Uh, that their goal is to kill All Might. Uh, one of the big moments. Uh, uh, in this episode is uh, Momo Yagarosa, uh, uh, who um, debuts uh, 
appearing to be incredibly intelligent and was also one of four students uh, who were admitted on recommendation and Todoroki was one of the others. So, and just like we promised in the last episode, we're going to go over, especially since not a whole lot happens in this episode outside of just kind of getting us introduced to the rest of the class. Uh, we're going to go over the class roster for my uh, for UA class 1A of the Hero Course. And as a refresher, we're going to start with the students that we've already given a proper introduction to uh, so far. And uh, we won't spend a lot of time on them because, again, we've already gone over them. Uh, so we don't necessarily need to go over a whole lot with them. And then we'll get through the rest of the class as well. And so to start off with, the main protagonist, the main character of the series is Zuko Midoriya. His quirk is one for all, and he is All Might's chosen successor and a total fanboy of superheroes. So the the second uh, person is Katsuki Bakugo. Uh, his quirk is explosion. Uh, he is the childhood rival of Midoriya and a naturally gifted hero. And then we have Ochaka Uraraka. Her quirk is gravity, and she is an earnest girl that is kind and has the ability to make things float via her fingertips. Uh, then there's Tenya Ida. His quirk is engine. Uh, he is a straight-laced by the book with engines in his legs, giving him substantial speed. And then the last one of the students that we've already spent a little bit of time on is Yuga Aoyama. Uh, his quirk is naval laser. And he's a flamboyant kid that speaks with a French accent and has the ability to shoot a laser from his belly button. All right. And so uh, let's get to the rest of the class. And once again, we do apologize for how we pronounce these names. Uh, it is difficult <laughs> to yeah. say the least. Um, all right. So here we go. Uh, next is Ijiro Kirishima. And his quirk is hardening. He is the guy who has spiky red hair. And he mentions, you know, things being manly or not manly um, all that much. And so for me, he, he just reminds me of Elfman from Fairy Tale. Well, and honestly, he, he fulfills the shonen role. Like th there's always that character in these types of series that it's like it's you got to be a man this is you know this is how you're going to be a man and do this mm -hmm. um and as patrick mentioned earlier the next uh person in the class roster is momo yao yorosa and uh her ability is the quirk creation uh, she has the ability to create things uh from her body and but she has to know the uh actual chemical formulas before she actually creates them and like Patrick also mentioned earlier, she was also admitted uh, through recommendations. So that means she didn't actually have to do the trials that uh, Midoriya, Ida, Uraka, and Bakugo had to do in order to get into UA. They were just they were just able to get into UA on their own or through the recommendation. Yeah, and so we get to meet one of the other persons that is brought in on recommendation but i don't know if we ever find out who the fourth person is um anyways uh so the next person is minora mineta 
and his quirk is Popoff. He is the guy who has a purple head, and he has purple balls that he can throw at people. They can stick. He can bounce off of them. He is also the class perv. And again, no series like this would be complete without a pervy character, and Mineta fills that. Although yes. only he's worth... Now, if Mineta didn't exist, then this next character would be the one that would actually sort of fall into line with being a pervy character, and that is Denki Kaminari. Uh, his quirk is electric electrification. Uh, one thing that is interesting and really amusing about his character is that he has the ability to shoot off a huge amounts of electricity. However, if he does too much electricity, he will just be standing there being adult with uh, sticking his thumbs up, being like, hey, because his brain is literally fried. Yeah. And uh, uh, another one is Kyoka uh, Jiro. Uh, her quirk is earphone jack, and so she has um, dangling from her ears uh, the looks like jacks that you can plug into. It gives her uh, ability to hear things well, and uh, so like you see in the battle things, she sticks her jack into the wall so she could find where people were. Um, and then later we're going to see her display her, her power that she's able to plug her, um, jack, her jacks into boots and blast things with sound, with sound waves. So she, it's a very versatile quirk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She, she's actually a very interesting character and I really enjoyed a lot not to be upstaged by another, one of my favorite characters. He's, he's not my favorite. I've already, you know, discussed with you guys that. Uh, who, who that is but uh, Fumikagi Tokoyami, Tokoyami and his quirk is Dark Shadow and when you watch the show he's the guy that has like the hawk head um, and he has the ability to create this uh, what he what he, who he calls Dark Shadow that this is um, shadowy uh, meta, uh, manifestation that is able to do all sorts of different things and when we get into season two in particular, uh, we're going to see him do some really awesome things. He's a really cool character. Yeah. Uh, then next up is Mina Ashido. Her quirk is acid. She is pink and she can squirt acid from her hands and from her feet. And um, she is very energetic, very bubbly. Uh, and, um uh just a very interesting character she uh is very much a, a life of the party like and her big story arc uh is going to be in uh in season four or at least her one of her big moments is in season four um during the the school festival story arc that's when she kind of takes a bit of a lead role on some things uh next up we have mezo shoji his quirk is duple arms and he is the guy that he's the probably by physical looks is the most interesting uh he's got these kind of like these extra limbs uh, that kind of give him like almost like a wing look to him. 
Um, and he's, he has the ability to actually put different, uh, grow different things from his limbs. So he can actually grow extra arms or he can actually grow, he can actually stick out his, like he actually speaks through his limbs. Like he actually doesn't speak through his mouth. Um, but he'll, he'll grow a mouth from his hand. And so then he talks through his hand. He can see through it. He can also grow ears through them. Uh, just vis- visually a very interesting character and has a lot of potential for how he can use his quirk. Yeah. And when I, when I first saw him, it reminded me of the Gargoyles cartoon show, Lexington. Uh, right. Mm, yeah. Yeah. He had a, a kind of like a very similar look to it um in my opinion um then there uh up next is uh, hanta saro um his quirk is tape he is the guy who can shoot different kinds of tape from his elbow um he can move around he can web swing in a in a way and his his different kinds of tape can be um changes depending on his concentration and then i think maybe his diet i think maybe affects it we'll get more into that because they'll they'll explain some of the weaknesses of some of the characters and and whatnot um and other things and so he's he's a good guy and he um he'll do some some good things and i saw i loved in his battle where he taped up the entire room that so if they tried to get it they would potentially get stuck in his tape so he kind of did like a web uh in that uh up next we have mashiro ojiro uh his quirk is tail and he's the character that uh he looks like he he's wearing kind of like a karate gi um and for the most part genuinely generally looks relatively normal for this show However, he's got this giant tail uh, that is. I, I'm, I'm trying to even think what animal that tail resembles because it doesn't really seem like it resembles any animal uh, that I can think of. Um, however, he's very agile. Uh, he's a very skilled fighter. Uh, he's he's kind he's kind of reserved, and uh, he has a little bit of a funny moment in this episode because uh, he's with the character that he's teamed up with. Uh, the character he's teamed up with is actually invisible. And in order for her to be truly invisible, she actually has to be naked. Uh, so it throws him off a little bit. It's just like, I can't see her, but I know there's a naked girl here and it's, 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 it's weird. Uh, so it's, it's just kind of funny that, you know, he's having to deal with that, even though he's having to deal with a naked girl in the room with him, but he can't see her. Uh, so, but he's still, it's still making him feel awkward. Yeah. Um, uh, then next is uh, Koji Koda, and his quirk is Annie Voice. Uh, and so he has the ability to speak to other animals uh, and command them and uh, have them communicate with him so like they can, they can come talk to him and let him know what's going on. Uh, he has an interesting design. He kind of, he's a little like rocky looking. Um, and mm-hmm. not, I'm not talking about like Rocky Balboa, more like he looks like he has some rock like fe- features. Um, and uh, he is also very quiet and very reserved. Uh, and so he is uh, doesn't get a whole lot of screen time because he just doesn't talk very much. 
Uh, up next, we have Rikido Sato, uh, and his quirk is Sugar Rush, and he is a very a very muscular character, and his ability is the more sugar he consumes, the stronger he gets. So he can actually be a very formidable formidable fighter. However, as the sh- as his sugar gets depleted. Uh, he'll crash and lose his strength. So it's it's actually and, and again, this is like I love going through the power descriptions of these characters because it just shows that they didn't want these characters to be these you know these invincible powerhouses uh, that there's actual drawbacks to their powers. So you just think like you think about like how hyper you can get like. Uh, when you have something really sugary or you can get real jittery and stuff like that, but then you have these really nasty crashes and that's just, that's, that's the whole basis for this character. This character gets super strong and he, and he turns into this, you know, this real tough guy. Uh, but as soon as he's, as soon as the sugar, as soon as he crashes, he's done. Yeah. So he's a little bit like our man um, from DC comics Mm-hmm. And uh, but also another drawback to his power too is that he uh, also gets kind of dumber, but like he also, but he also gets like more aggressive as he gets pumped up, so he makes bad decisions too. Um, and so he, it's you know he he has a lot of drawbacks to his power. So as um, as he does, you know, is the sugar crash the aggression the mindlessness you know that kind of thing um not very good and so then uh next is tor hagakura uh and this is the girl that jeff was talking about that is invisible uh and so for her like as he said for her to be truly invisible she has to be naked and so um her superhero costume are, is just a pair of gloves and a pair of boots and that's it and so uh, you can't see anything else about her, and uh, so it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, oh well, you know, what do you know? What are we going to do with this? So one of my questions with her powers is like she hasn't dis- displayed any form of um, offensive capability. So I was like, how does she get into class one A? I mean, other than you know the person who created the show wanted an invisible person in the class um, right. because like the invisible woman in uh, Marvel comics, she can do force fields also use it as a form of telekinesis. She can do um, force blasts, those kind of things. And, well, so and, and even, and even then too, with the invisible woman, she's able to turn the invisibility off and be seen. Yeah. Uh, we've never seen Hagakuri at all. Like you, you've we've never seen her face. We've never seen anything about how what she looks like, outside of when she's wearing clothes, and you can tell that she's there. Um, and I, one thing I do like about this episode when they because the all the kids have these um, Bluetooth earpieces in their ear, and so as uh, Hagakuri takes off her gloves and boots. The only way you know where she is is she so you can still see her Bluetooth earpiece, and so it's just it's, <laughs> I miss it, that. it gives just some of the some of the comedy the, the, these little things you got to watch when you watch this show multiple times through. You just catch these little things. It's like oh my goodness, I can, you can still see her earpiece. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, there yeah, it, and, it's, and especially the other thing is too is once you get we're gonna get to a 
place where we're actually going to see class one B and there's going to be some kids in there. That's kind of like now, why weren't they in class one a over like, you know, and again, nothing against Hagakuri, but why, why would she be in class one a over some of these kids or men and especially Manetta? Oh my goodness. You know, like to me, I, I don't know. And again, a part of it, a lot of the, for these characters, it's because these, these were the characters that the creator wanted in there. Um, I'm sure if you were to pin the creator down and talk to him and be like, Hey, this person should not be in one a, you know, it's like these people in one B should probably be in one a over this character. Um, but, and so next and then, and, and not that we've done a whole lot, uh, but now we'll get to my favorite character. Like I mentioned in the previous episode, Shoto Todoroki, his quirk is half cold, half hot. Um, he is able to use both cryokinesis and pyrokinesis. Uh, he's able to create both fire and ice. Um, and we'll get more into his backstory. Um, but he did get into one a on recommendation and there are very, very good reasons why he got into one a without having to truly audition. Um, he is very powerful and uh and we'll get to see more of that he'll be so just just like how all might is uh, uh you know midoriya is the main character and then the next tier of main characters is all might and uh bakugo right underneath that is shoto todoroki uh he's the i he wouldn't i wouldn't call him the fourth main character because all Might and Bakugo are, you know, they're they're both the second second mo- second main character, uh, as in how they affect Midoriya, and then right after that is is Shoto Todoroki, and he's, and I can't wait till we get till we can dive into more of his backstory, and we'll get into that later, uh, but he's uh, he's he is my absolute favorite character in the show. I'm I'm also really grateful that he this is like the only time he like he's only wearing this uniform during this season because it is absolutely dreadful. Yeah. Um, that is that is true. Yeah. In this first season of the show, he's wearing basically just kind of like he's on the on his way to his like a waiter job. Like he's wearing like a white button-up shirt and these like khaki pants. And then his entire um, left side is kind of covered in ice. And we'll get into why he would be doing Like, I totally get why he is. Uh, and we'll get into it uh, when, as we get delve into his backstory more later in the series. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree with you. This is an absolute awful look. And his look gets so much better. Yeah. And then we'll always, like astonished me when i first saw him like this was the glowing red eye too i was like wait is he like half cyborg like i was really confused um but then you know once i you know got to understand the show better i was like oh gotcha um all right so then last but not least is my favorite character is suyu asui um her quirk is frog and so um, she's my favorite character um, in the entire show, uh, and I, I love her. 
you know, she's blunt. Um, she speaks her mind, uh, but she also has these really great like moments. I, I will admit, when I first saw her, especially during the um, uh, physical tests with uh, Aizawa, I actually did not know um, Suyu Sue was a uh, girl. And you come to find out when you read the manga and read about the character creation, uh, Sue actually was intended to be a boy at first, but he didn't like the imbalance of male to female ratio. And so Sue was switched and turned into a girl um, in which he is then happy about from then on. He's, he's like, yeah, she was supposed to be a girl. Um, and so like, I, yeah, yes, like so I do. Do not call her Asui and do not call her Suyu. Call her Sue. Yeah. She will tell yeah. you that throughout the entire series. Yeah. Call me Sue. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, she, she's actually one of my favorite characters as well. She is, um, she's very, she's very driven. Uh, she's not, she rec, you know, as the series goes on, you know, they'll, the kids kind of start to realize and you will as well. They're not all on the same power level, you know, and uh, probably in terms of just raw power, Todoroki is actually probably the most powerful kid in the class. Um, but there's some character issues that are going to be, that will hold him back a little bit. Uh, but she is, yeah, she's just lovable. She wants everybody to do their best and she, yeah, I don't. I don't want to talk too much more because I'm. I feel like I'm on the verge of of spoiling some stuff and just uh, taking away from some of her character moments that are going to happen later in the series. Uh, but yeah, she is. A, she is a fan favorite for a reason. Uh, she is truly a really. She is a really cool character, and she's got a great design too. Uh, when they fully embrace her as a you know female, she's switching from being a boy to a girl, and they actually. Um, I, I actually love her hair. The fact she's got, she's got long green hair and it's tied in a bow at the bottom. Uh, yeah. I just, I don't know. I don't know why I like that. I just do. I, I just love it. She's, she's a great character. She, she is just, she's great. Um, and also just not a whole lot happens in this episode. Um, uh, but just, so just to kind of one of the, I, I just want to take one of the opportunities to talk about, uh, Todoroki's real debut like he he has his first line in the previous episode but however his real debut happens in this one where they do as they do their two-on-two battles and he gets paired up with a great character for him uh he gets paired up with shoji and uh, as they're battling um agakuri and uh ojiro uh Shoji recognizes that, oh, our opponents are all barefoot. And Todoroki, he commented in the previous episode the battle skill that Bakugo had, but Todoroki shows his as well. He re So he gets this intel from, from Shoji that their opponents are barefoot. He's like, well... And uh, Shoji even starts to give some starts to go over some strategy with him 
and since they're probably expecting a defensive, uh, they're probably preparing for defense uh, to protect the bomb. And he's like, well, that's fine, but you need to get out for your own good because uh, they've already lost. And he winds up freezing the entire building that they're in. The entire building is covered in ice, and he freezes the building to the point where uh, both uh, Hagakuri and Ojiro, Ojiro uh, are frozen to the ground because they're not wearing shoes. They can't escape. Uh, if they escape from the ice that he's encased in, it's going to hurt a lot. So he defeats them without even literally breaking a sweat. Uh and uh, so, yeah, he and one of those kind of funny with when they do their bit like they do with a lot, of, like they've done with a lot of the characters and they say this is their character and this is their quirk. Uh, they, they mentioned with Todoroki, uh, they're not sure there's a limit to his power. And so it's just uh, it was just really fascinating to see there's a reason why he got in. And this is one. This is one of the reasons why he got in is because of just how flat out powerful he is, and he was able to. So once he defeated them, he also didn't just leave them frozen there. He used the other part of his quirk and wound up freezing the ice or uh, melting the ice, and so he he didn't just leave them frozen there. Yeah. So um, Todoroki, being um, this ultra powerful person. Uh, kind of goes in line with Iceman from the X-Men where Iceman is, is an Omega level uh, mutant and, uh, and is displayed incredible power. Like one of my favorite is in Jason Aaron's run with Wolverine and the X-Men where uh, Iceman uh, builds a fully functional Voltron uh, to combat some, giant thing i can't remember what it was uh but todoroki goes along that line like so like ice powers are considered super powerful um i hate to say it elsa from frozen you know her ice powers are you know off the charts as well so it's just one of those consistent things that you know um, gray full buster from fairy tale um well well really it just goes along with the the idea that with any of these superpowers if if you have the ability to create something, you know, so it's not like you're having to rely on um, something else that you're just able to manifest it. it you're instantly going to be able to be very powerful. So, I mean, it's just like um, it, it, some of the characters that we're going to see down the road that, you know, like they're able to like manipulate air, um, you know, just being able to tap into the elements is going to make you an extremely powerful person because these elements are around us everywhere. And especially if you're able to just create it yourself. And uh, yeah, the kinesis, I'm not even sure that's a word, but the kinesis powers are very powerful powers. Uh, and so the other kind of like thing of interest out, you know, stuff that we haven't touched on yet uh, we get to kind of see the idea of, you know, this is the way high schoolers are. Uh, Kaminari, uh, you see him walking back into the classroom after Midoriya has recovered, that Kaminari is trying to um, ask Uraraka out, uh, but she ends up ditching him because she sees that uh, Midoriya is back. 
And, and that's uh, probably the first time that's ever happened in Midoriya's life is that a girl ditched another guy to come talk to him. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it, and it's just a really funny, cute scene because, you know, and it's just like, you know, Uraraka is drawn to be a very cute character. And so you're, and as a guy that likes girls, uh, that's cute. And, it's, and she's nice at that. You know, she's talking to her. It's like, so what kind of food do you like? It's like, well, mostly sweets. And then she sees Midori and bolts. And it's just like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Been there, Kaminari. Been there, yeah. buddy. Yeah, uh, been there. But it's, you know, it's just kind of like what, you know, Kaminari is doing a, a typical guy thing where he's like, okay, you know what? We've got, there's more guys than girls. So I need to find one now and kind of plant my flag, call dibs, whatever you want to call it, on this girl. I was like, all right, this one's mine. Oh, she's not mine. She belongs <laughs> to Midoriya. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and so far through part of this, the show is, and they do make it pretty clear that they have intentions to put uh, Midoriya and Uraraka together. Um, I'm actually not a fan. I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not against it. Uh, but there, when we get around to doing this, there's actually somebody I uh, I like better from Midoriya than Uraraka because I actually like, and there's somebody else that I like Uraraka for better. Uh, but I won't get to that. We'll we'll discuss that at a later time. Um, but that's just my personal opinion. It's like I know that they're setting this up. I personally was like I would go a different way, but that's just me. Yeah. Uh, I do want to point out, you know, thinking about this, um, you know, and and Mineta being the world-class perv that he is, uh, one of the things that I appreciate about My Hero Academia is that there's not a whole lot of, like, fan service kind of moments. Um, uh, So when they do kind of things, it's kind of done naturally. So, uh, yeah, Yorosa's quirk she can produce and create anything that comes out of her skin so um, uh, so a drawback for her to be able to do that she has to have a, a fairly revealing costume and so she gets paired with Mineta and so as she is bent over um, you can see Mineta staring at her at her uh at her backside. And so this is kind of the first moment of that happening. Um, and, but luckily there's not a whole lot of it. And I really do appreciate it about this show because you have to, re- you have to remember that even though these people are being voiced by adults, uh, these are children that are on display. Um, so and they that, might not always be exactly drawn like their children either. Also uh, true. But, but again, but yeah, and, and that was one of the nice things is that it's not a, a huge part of the show. Like, uh, one of, like it is one of my favorite animes is fairy tale. However, there is a lot of fan service in fairy tale. Yeah. Um, and, and they, and the, to me, some of the worst part of the fan service is that they even point out, oh, this is just straight up fan service. Like they, they break the fourth wall and go meta and admit this is this is all solely fan service. 
so so that in that in that way is it's appreciated that they recognize that they're doing this but it's also kind of like if you're doing it then and you know this is fan service and it really doesn't do anything then why do it but but and it but again like this is also the other thing too that we have that's is genuine about the interactions with these it's like remember these are 14 year old kids uh i'm telling you this right now i'm a 14 year old kid and i'm paired up with yaoi rosa uh she bends over i'm probably checking her out uh because she's certainly she's hard drawn not as to a, notice <laughs> right she's she's hard not to notice she's drawn as a very beautiful woman or a beautiful young girl and it's you know so it's just kind of like if I was 14, I'd totally be doing that too. Like, I don't have a whole lot of room to judge in that area because I, you know, anyways, um, moving along to, uh, we'll go, we'll go into our biblical themes that we saw through this episode. And I, you know, I do want to be honest. I did struggle a little bit with a biblical theme for this particular episode. Cause it, cause again, not a whole lot happens. Um, so there's not a whole lot, uh, to draw, uh, to draw from, uh, However, Todoroki has this like really great line when he defeats uh, his opponents in the uh, exercise. Uh, he drops this line of, it's not your fault. We're just playing on different levels. Because when he goes up and defeats them, they're actually... Um, uh, Hagakuri and um, uh, Ojiro are... are shown to be in awe of his just his raw power and he just like don't worry about it it's not your fault i'm just a, i'm just a different class than you um and so it's also a little refreshing to show that bakugo isn't the only one in class 1a with the superiority complex um however todoroki's attitude when he just looks at the it looks at his opponents and just sees him at this different level, it instantly made me think of Paul and his letter to the church of Philippi. And one of the things that was ha that happened in the early church is there was a sense of superiority that the Jews that had converted to Christianity felt over the Gentiles or the non-Jewish people that had converted to Christianity. Uh, one of the things that happened when you look into the history of the beginning of the church is that some of the churches would try that, especially had a Jewish, had a strong Jewish population that also had Gentile converts. Uh, they would try to force the Gentiles to go through and actually become Jewish first before they would consider them Christian and not to get a whole, uh, super graphic or anything like that, but that would include making the men get circumcised. And I'll tell you, it's one thing to do that when you're, a, a you know, in the Jewish culture, it's to do it on their eighth day of life. Um, it's a whole other thing when you're doing it to a 30 year old man. Um, but there was a superiority that the, because the Jews, that converted to Christianity felt over the Gentiles and were actually making it difficult for the Gentile Christians, uh, in their church. Um, so he writes, uh, he writes to them, uh, and this is in Philippians chapter three, verses four through seven. Uh, if someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence, confidence in the flesh, I have more. 
circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. So what Paul's trying to bring to the Jewish Christians point of view or to their bring it to bring it to their knowledge and to their you know just to get them to understand this is like if there's anybody that has any reason to boast it's Paul Paul was the Jew of Jews um, he you know he started he studied to be a Pharisee so he knew the law he had to know the laws forward and backwards um, he was and then on top of that, he not only was he so zealous for, you know, he was the Jew of Jews, he was going around and persecuting Christians. And, and not just persecuting, he was killing them. He was hunting them down and would tell them to either deny Christ or die. And when you go into the backstory and you look into what exactly some of these things were that they were doing, uh, it was not pleasant things. Uh, there was, it, yeah, it, Paul was not a good person, uh, but he was the Jew of Jews. Um, and so, but again, he was also doing this because this is what he thought was needed to be done. Uh, he later gets converted to Christianity uh, he has a moment with Jesus and uh, comes around and has realized I, he he genuinely thought he was doing God's work, um, but he needed uh, he needed a wake up call, and Christ brought that to him and he converted and then he became uh, an apostle, and he even to the point where he calls out some of his other fellow apostles and is like. Um, what are you doing? You're messing up. This is not how it's supposed to be. Uh, so if there's anybody that should be able to look down on the Gentile, the quote unquote Gentile Christians from a Jewish Christian's perspective, it would be Paul. However, he's telling them, it's like, no, that's when you go and when you read more of the chapter and you read more into his letter to the church, it's almost like, no, that there is no difference. And you can see that in some of his other writings. There's no difference. I I consider all of this stuff, the, these things that people would use as saying I'm superior to other people, it's nothing. I consider it all lost for the sake of Christ. There's a bigger picture that I'm trying to wor work towards. That's my goal. So something that Todoroki as a character could appreciate is like, it's, it, you know, it's a similar lesson that Bakugo needs to learn. It's like, yeah, these people, I may be more powerful than these people, than my classmates. And we might be, you know, the, the world might view us as on different levels. But when it comes to making the world a better place, make the world safer, just because I'm more powerful doesn't mean that I should look down on them, that I should uh, consider myself their superior. It's all, it, we're all working towards that same goal of making the world a better place. And so, the, and, but that's, and that's Paul's point of view. It's like, it doesn't matter where you came from because Christ didn't care. 
Christ doesn't care where you came from. Christ cares where you're going. And so when you come to him, when you make that decision, we make that realization that life is better with him, that when you turn your life over to him and it's to the point of where you're trying to glorify God, that's your goal. You're trying to show other people the love that Christ showed for this world by sacrifice. That is where we need, that's where the characters in my hero academia need to learn. And that's where we need to learn as well is that there might be things that I'm better than you at, but it doesn't mean anything if we're not all working towards the same goal of spreading the gospel of sharing, of sharing people the love that Christ gave for us by dying on the cross, but by dying on the cross for us. And so that's just, it's something that's so important for us to understand that when we get, we get so caught up in this off so often when it comes to the work that the, the church that the church is doing is that we put all of these, you know, we, we start lifting up people that don't need to be lifted up. In fact, when it comes to following Christ, we need to take steps down. We need to lower ourselves to truly, to truly be like Christ. We have to lower ourselves. So for, for me, um, my biblical theme that I, I came up with, uh, I, I too also struggled, because uh, it, it was a little difficult, but I found something. Um, and it's from a, a line from, from All Might, uh, where he talks about how uh, his quirk one for all is to be passed on from person to person to protect humanity. Uh, and so in discussing it, he, he realizes that if multiple people, if everyone found out about it, they would be drawn to him to try and get his quirk because you've seen how strong he is. He's the world's most famous hero. He's the symbol of peace. Everyone would want a piece of that, that everyone would want to be like him. And, um, and so he's like, it would also be easy to be corrupted uh, by this quirk. Uh, so choosing their successor is a really big deal. And throughout the series, we're going to uh, really kind of see how the, the choices are made. Uh, we'll meet, we'll get to see the person who um, chose all might uh, for one for all. And uh, so we'll be able to, to kind of do that. And so for me, I, I uh, this made me think of the book of Judges. The book of Judges is, is from the Old Testament. And uh, the people of Israel have come out of Egypt and they have settled finally in the land of Canaan. And so uh, God didn't want them to have a king. Uh, they was like, I am your king. You know, you are in need of nothing else for leadership other than myself. Uh, and so, but from time to time, uh, the people would need reminding and be brought back to God. And so the book of Judges is, is one of those things that is actually a, um, a book of cycles. And the, so what would happen is that the people would be good with God. They would, they would be worshiping and, 
or as, as the Old Testament would say, they would remember God. And then they would forget God. And so then punishment comes or a calamity comes and they're like, oh, that's right. We've got God. God, please help us. Please bring, you know, drive out our enemies, drive out the Philistines, the Malachites, you know, yada, 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 all the different things. And then God's like, okay, I'm going to bring you a judge. And so judge is, is brought forth and that person is usually a military leader of some kind uh, and guides them, uh, uh, frees them from their uh, oppression. And they're like, yes, I remember God. And then the cycle starts over again. And, uh, and so it's very much like that. So the one for all user is picked uh, the, the quirk is passed on and they then guide uh, uh, humanity lead they lead you they lead the hero society uh, they are the main protector of the people and it goes you know pass it on but just like you know all might's fear that the person who receives one for all uh, could corrupt, it could, it could corrupt them or something like that. The judges them t- themselves were not perfect. Uh, they were righteous, but they also would nece- they would also succumb to temptation from time to time. Or if you're Samson, uh, the most famous of judges from the Book of Judges, uh, uh, because he was uh, had super strength. I mean, what? You know, I, I love reading Samson's story, but he lived poorly. So if you're going to pick a judge to follow in their footsteps, don't follow Samson's. He's the last person you want to pick. Um, and so, but others had some, you know, character flaws. Gideon was a man who was whiny, who um, lacked faith in God. He always asked God for signs. Uh, he also ended up creating an ephod, um, uh, which is a golden symbol that led his people away from God. So not only did he bring them back into right living, but he also was a stumbling block. Um, Deborah is a good one as an example, who never fell into temptation or anything like that. Um, her career as a judge was um, well-respected. But she was also one of the ones that wasn't a military leader. She was a political leader. She knew who to s- select to be their general and freed um, Israel from their oppression. Uh, and so that's one of those things that, you know, for us that we have to remember that, you know, we may not be a superhero. We may not be a, um, brought forth as a judge or a prophet or a pastor or something like that. But we are all called to uh, watch over one another. We are to um, care for our brothers and sisters uh, uh, in Christ, but also those who are not a, not in the body of Christ. Uh, we are to care for them and to guide them and to watch over them, just as the judges did for the people of Israel, but as um, as the heroes uh, do. And so that's really kind of an important thing for us to understand that we are we are called to care for one another and and do those things and and not let that go by the wayside, but also not take that responsibility uh, lightly and and spit on it just as the judges 
tended to do. I'm not saying that you're not going to mess up and you're going to make mistakes, but you know, ultimately we are, we are called to um, love and care for each other. Uh, and so I think that's a good thing for us to learn from the judges and from all might uh, just how much he, he cares about people. And so now we'll go into the ratings section of the episode. Uh, and so for, for me, I had a hard time rating this one uh, because there's some really, there's some decent character moments. Um, it's really cool to see some of the quirks in action. We don't see a whole lot. Um, and we will later, like yeah. as the series progresses, and especially as we get closer to the season finale, where we'll really start to see them use their quirks. Yeah, uh, and so I, I like that, and um, so I'll give it a three point seven five uh, because it was good, it wasn't great, um, it moved the plot along. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go three point seven five. And here I thought I was actually gonna be the higher one, and I'm I, I'm actually gonna give it just a three. Um, actually, I'll give it a three point five just for Todoroki's moment in that <laughs> where he's you know absolute absolute uh, killer there um, with how he takes out the entire team, and it, and Bakugo has some. And I, and I really like that Bakugo got humbled in this episode. That was a great character moment for him, which is like Patrick was saying with this episode. And, and there will be some episodes like this in the series where there's not necessarily a whole lot of action happens, but there's these great little character moments. And the character moments are only going to be improving as the series progresses. Um, but what's really cool about Bakugo's character moment is that up until that battle with Midoriya, he didn't he thought he was the best he didn't think you know he thought it was a straight shot uh that he was he was going to be able to step on all these people and a straight shot to the top and take out all and take out all might as the most popular hero however he lost the exercise to midoriya because he um didn't focus. He didn't truly focus on the objective. He got tied up in his rivalry with Midoriya, and it caused him to fail, and he lost. Um, even though he had like no damage on him, Midoriya beat him, and Midoriya was knocked out. Like he was, he he passed out and had to go. Uh, and he's now a frequent flyer with Recovery Girl. So there's these great little these great little character moments, but not a whole lot happens, and is and for the most part, it's just in. That's why for this particular episode, this is why we waited to do like the full class introduction because we knew this episode was coming where not a whole lot happens. Um, we only see a little bit of what happens in the the two-on-two battles. And so again, not a whole lot happens, but Todoroki shows up and just on his power alone, Bakugo's like, oh, oh. <laughs> not the most powerful kid in class like I thought and so yeah uh, so 3.5 3. for me 
and I would give it a three, but because Todoroki was so awesome in this, I give I'll bump it up to a three point five. For anyone out there that's listening, if you have any questions for us about biblical lessons we that we talked about in this episode or anything else that we're talking about that we bring up about the show, or if you have any other questions ranging from anything involved with anime, comics, or just anything in general, feel free to email us at fricketyfracktalkback at gmail.com. Or reach out to us on Twitter at FricketyF or at FricketyFrack on Instagram and Facebook. So we still have that same challenge from last episode. Uh, if you want to help us come up with a catchphrase uh, for the show, that would be great. If not, I think I, we might have kind of found it, at least depending on the season. Because as we said, we're we're going to most likely change things up at the, this, at the end of this season and do something different. Um, where Jeff and I have already started talking about different things that we might want to do. And I think what we've got lined up for after the first season of My Hero Academia is going to be really good. Um, uh, so anyway, so if you help us come up with a catchphrase, but I think for the season of that we're in, I think we can tell you is uh, the catchphrase for us is God loves you and go plus ultra. Yeah.